Turn with me, if you would, over to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to continue in the series of living in the light and loving it. And we have been using two scriptures in particular, kind of as our texts for this series. And we're going to look at both of them. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 5, and then we'll look in James chapter 1. But in Matthew 5... Jesus makes some startling statements. If, if you know the statement that Jesus made when he said, I am the light of the world, that's a statement Jesus made. And he, he made a bunch of I am, I am statements. One of them was, I am the light of the world. But here in Matthew 5, he says something different. He says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. So it went from I am the light of the world to now you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light, notice he doesn't say my light, he says your light. Ownership, we're talking ownership. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, then the light within you, you have ownership of it. It's your light because He gave it to you. He put it in you. It's the Spirit of Christ living within you. It says, let your light shine before men, not before God. That's how we read it. Oh yeah, we're going to let our light shine to the Lord. No, no, no. No, before men. People are supposed to see your light. And they're supposed to go, ooh, ah, Look at that! Isn't the Father wonderful? What does He say next? He says, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. It's your light, it's your works, so that men may see it and give glory to our Father. In Ephesians 5.8 it says that you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live, let's say that, live as children of the light. So I'd ask the question in review, let's go over to James chapter 1. I'd ask the question, how do I live in the light? And we answer, have been answering that question and we'll continue it. How do I live in the light? Well, simply said, by hearing and doing what you know. That's how you live in the light. Do what you know, if you really want to simplify it. And James 1, verse 22 says this, But be doers of the Word, doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, the only Word that will produce results in your life is the Word that you do. The Word that you practice. The Word you don't practice is not going to bear fruit in your life. It's not going to give you any results. It's, only, it's not the Word you have heard it's not the word you know about. It's not the word that you used to do. <laughs> because that's, that's, a, that's a difficult one. When you used to do it, you think you're still doing it. And then we become self-deceived because now we're just hearing it. We know about it, but we're not actually doing it. The NIV says it this way. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. <laughs> I like that. Do what it says. How simple can we make it? So what does it mean to be deceived? What is deceived? It means you believe something to be true that's not true. You're not pretending it's true. You genuinely believe it's true, but it's not true. 
That's what being deceived is, and in particular, self-deceived. Is you, you heard something, but you didn't do it. And heard means that you received light on this. You saw it. Hearing implies seeing. I know that sounds funny, but if you hear it, you see it on the inside. You ever hear someone say, oh, I see that. Remember when you didn't see something, then all of a sudden you go, yeah, yeah, I see that. You might not even be talking about spiritual things, but you're talking about on the inside. You see it on the inside. And so that's light that you've received. That's spiritual seeing. And you and I are held accountable to the light that we have. Not the light we don't have. The light we have. The light you have received is the light that you are judged by. In fact, Jesus said it this way to the Pharisees. He said, um, they asked, well, are we blind? And he said, well, you were, if you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. So seeing, we, we explained this last week that sin is a violation of light. Violation of the Word. That's what sin is. And here, if we see it, that means we have light on it. So then we're held accountable to actually do it. If you look down in verse 25, it says this. It says, the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it. That means you're going to continue doing it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who acts. A doer who works it. A doer who is doing. Okay? A doer who acts. This person will be blessed in what he thinks. No. This person will be blessed in what he has heard. This person will be blessed in what he knows. No. So this person will be blessed in what he intended to do. Maybe what he wanted to do. No. None of those. This person will be blessed in what he tried doing. No. Well, you guys are an insistent bunch. This person is blessed in what he what? Does. does. In what he does. Not what he wanted to do, not what he intended to do, not what he knows about. He's not blessed in the things that, oh, I've listened to all those sermons, I even took notes on them. Come on, LTS students. You're receiving light and you're taking notes, but now you have a responsibility to walk in it, right? Where's all my LTS students in here? See, they're all over the house, right? They're taking notes because that's part of what they're supposed to be doing in, in LTS. They're supposed to listen and they're supposed to write it down. That helps them retain and remember it. But yet there's another part to it, isn't it? No amount of notes and no amount of listening is going to do you any good if you don't actually now go out and do it. And that goes for all of us, not just the LTS students. You say, well, what's LTS? If Kevin and Kelly were here, I'd say go talk to them and ask them. Come ask me and I'll send you to the right place. How about that? Yes, it's leadership training school. The purpose of light. We, we ask that question. What is the purpose of light? Is it just so that we can see really well? Oh, wow, look at that. Nope, that's not the purpose of light. The purpose of light is so that we can walk in it. So that we can live in it. In fact, Psalm, in Psalm 119, it says, Thy word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. What are paths for? Looking at? No. No, walking on. Yeah. Paths are for going somewhere. Yeah. And what are our feet for? To put up on the lazy boy? No. <laughs> no, our feet are for taking us somewhere. 
right? And so the light that we have received is given to us so that we can move about in it. All right? So that we can go down the path in it. And that light that's given in... Where is the light? It's on the path. It's not out in the jungle somewhere, far away from the path where we can't see and we get lost in the briars and the brambles and places where rabbits wouldn't even go, right? But the light is at the path. So we have to be at the right place with Him in order to receive that light and be able to walk in it. See, seeing really well benefits you nothing if you won't walk in it. And we talked about how just like the headlights on your car, they shine only a certain distance, but you drive to the end of what you can see, and then they shine further. Well, in the same way, the light that God gives you, if you'll go to the end of what He's shown you, He will then give you more light so that you can see to go further with Him. In, in Psalms it says, in your light we see light. More revelation comes in His light. and You get more light. And, and then it also says, Lord, you light my lamp. I like that. Lord, you light my lamp. You light my lamp. My God illuminates my darkness. Illuminates my darkness. That's in uh, Psalms 18.28, LTS students. I know you like references because you're wanting to write them down. Psalms 18.28. Lord, you light my lamp. Let's just say that. Lord, you light my lamp. My God illuminates my darkness. my darkness. Everyone say illuminate real fast three times. <laughs> I didn't expect anyone to do that actually. Uh, you guys are hilarious. Let's say by faith, I am a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. All right. You know, light brings joy. See all the joy in here? We're already just getting more light. We're full of joy. Light brings joy, at least if you're alive. Now, if you're sitting here and you're dead, there's no effect on you. So those of you that haven't been laughing, now's the time to start winding it up. Light brings joy. In Proverbs 15.30, it says, The light of the eyes rejoices the heart. What you see, I mean, what you really see, I'm saying spiritually. It rejoices the heart. A good report makes the bones fat. Some of you just have had lots of good reports. I'm just thick-boned, right? Oh, my. The light of the eyes. What are you seeing? It brings joy to your heart. Do you remember when, when you first got light on something? How much joy it brought to you? Yeah. Like, wow, I, I see that. Yeah. I mean, remember when you first believed that I'm redeemed from the curse of the law and you understood what the curse of the law was? And you're like, what? what? How did I miss this all these years, right? And light comes and it rejoices the heart and you get excited about it. The, the Passion Translation says it this way, eyes that focus on what is beautiful bring joy to the heart. Now, what are you focusing on? And hearing a good report refreshes and strengthens the inner being. Light excites you. It brings joy to you. I remember uh, growing up in the Ozarks of Missouri, there was caves all over the place. And we have some, a few famous caves there. And, and one cave I went down into, I think it's in uh, Silver Dollar City maybe, in Branson. We go down into it and you have to walk through it. There's actually one cave you can ride a Jeep through. That one's kind of cool. 
Um, but the one that you have to walk to, you know, you go down all these narrow places and steep stairs and there's drop-offs right here into oblivion. and They wind all the way down into the darkness, right? But the lights are on. They have electric down there. And they take you to this spot and they take a rock and they go, okay, listen for the rock to hit the bottom. They toss it into this abyss. You never hear anything. Just, it, I don't know how deep it is. And then you go further to another one. Here, let's throw a rock over here. And you wait, I don't know how many seconds, and then you hear this faint splash. And so there's all these crevices or crevasses or whatever you call them, right? But deep, dark places, right? I call them a crevice, but some places call them a crevasse. (laughs) You guys find that a whole lot funnier than I do. Just full of joy. Well, we go walking down through there and we see these different demonstrations and we get into this narrow little place and, and there's, there's some handrails there. And um, they turn the light out. I mean, and it gets blacker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gets really, really dark down there. I mean, it gets so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face. There's, you can't see anything. I mean, it's just so black. And I got to thinking while the light was out that if that light doesn't come back on, we're going to have a real problem getting out of here because we can't see. And when they turned the light back on, they first pretended like it wasn't working, of course. I'd have done the same thing. And then they turned it on and the light comes on. And you know the joy that comes in at the sight of that light. It's like, yeah, yeah, we can walk right out of here. It's easy. What was difficult and hard is suddenly... Easy, cakewalk. You can see exactly what's going on. And that's the difference that light will make for you. However, if I would have stood there and tightly shut my eyes, would that light have helped me at all? No. No. Okay, hold on to that. And we're going to move into that a little bit later. What does that mean? Let me ask and answer a question first. Where does light come from? From the Father of lights is where light comes from. And we call, let's look at Psalm 119, 130. It says, the entrance of your word. What is the word's name? Jesus, right? Jesus is the word. He became flesh. It says, the entrance of your word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of your word gives light. Or as I said before, in your light we see light. We see more. More revelation comes as we are looking with His light. You light my lamp. My God illuminates my darkness. So if you have word that you've been holding on to, but it doesn't excite you anymore, here's some bad news. You don't believe it anymore. The only word that you believe is the word you're excited about. That really, you're like, yes, that makes the difference. You know, if you're telling someone about the big bill you have, and they say, well, the Lord said that He will meet all our needs according to His riches. Yeah, but this bill, what you're saying is, yeah, but I don't believe that. Or if there's something you're believing for healing, and someone goes, well, the Word says, by His wounds we are healed. And that doesn't excite you. It means you simply aren't believing it anymore. 
Don't get into condemnation over that. Just recognize that, oh, maybe I've allowed doubt to come in. Doubt to creep in and start to cloud my vision and what I'm seeing. And remember, to be self-deceived means to know it mentally, but not do it. And so knowing about it, because yeah, I've quoted that verse a thousand times. You know, if you have to have a fresh word from the Lord, because the old promise you've quoted a thousand times um, just doesn't excite you anymore, this is simply revealing that you don't believe that anymore. Why should the Lord give a new promise to you when you won't take a hold of the old one and, it, and believe it? So this is the thing that we'll ask ourselves and we'll examine ourselves in this way. You guys aren't laughing near as hard now. Jen quoted Psalm 119, 162 to you earlier when she was up here. And that was, I rejoice at your word. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great treasure. I rejoice. What is rejoicing? Right? It's it's joy. Again. (laughs) And again. It's rejoying. All right? It's rejoice at your word, at his word like one who finds great spoil. So do we. Let's go to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. And verse 15. Light brings joy is what we're talking about. And our joy level says some things about us. Here in Psalm 89, verse 15 and 16. Happy are the people who know the joyful shout. Does anyone here know a joyful shout? Yes, that's right. Happy, it says. Happy, or the word is blessed, but really the literal translation to this word blessed is happy. Happy are the people who know the joyful shout. Yahweh, they walk in the light of your presence. In the light of His presence. Listen, in His presence is joy. In His presence is joy. And some of us have our joy level is down because we've not been in His presence. Our time of presence in the Lord's presence is when we're together with the other believers at church. But when we're alone at home, there really isn't any. And then we wonder, why is my joy not here? Well, because it's in His presence is the fullness of joy. Right? In His presence. And then is His is light. You know, in 1 John, we read about how that He is light, and if we're with Him, we're not out in the darkness and stumbling and bumbling around, but with Him is light. Well, here He's saying in His presence is light. Verse 16, they rejoice in your name all day long. Not just on weekends. All day long. And they are exalted by your righteousness. By your righteousness. He is right. Righteous. He's completely right. And He's made us completely right. And that fact alone should be enough to get us rejoicing all day, every day. If you were not here with us for the first part of this series, this is uh, sermon number four in the series. The very first one talks about the great exchange. Go back and listen to that one because that one, it's very important that you receive the rest of the series in the context of what we have been made, in the context of the identity of His righteousness that we have. Proverbs 13.9 says, The light of the righteous rejoices. 
If you've been made righteous, there is a light that rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Proverbs 15.13 says, A joyful heart can, with a little effort, be concealed. No. No. (laughs) A joyful heart does what? Rejoices. A joyful heart makes the face glad. Makes the face cheerful. This is Proverbs 15.13. A joyful heart makes a face cheerful. Your face is your joy meter. All right? Your face is your joy meter. But a sad heart produces a broken spirit. We're talking about light brings joy. How much light do you have? What's the light that you have? Do you believe it? Are you doing it? Let's look at an example over in Matthew 10. Mark 10, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 10. Story of the rich young ruler will start in verse 17. And this is really, a lot of times we give this rich young ruler a, a lot of grief and, because we see the whole story. We read the end of the chapter and we go, man, this guy really missed out, all these things. But let, let's actually give him credit where credit is due. Let's look in verse 17. It says, as he was setting out on a journey, speaking of Jesus, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked him. No one is good but one, God. He wasn't telling him you shouldn't call me good. He's trying to flesh out, do you recognize who I am? Is that why you're calling me good? And this, this guy here, he must have had some light. Because he runs. He's coming quickly to him. This is an act of faith. He believes he's going to receive some answers from the good teacher. So he runs to him. He kneels before him. He calls him good teacher. These are all great things. Now, this guy has gotten some light on some things. And he recognizes who this is and how he should be treated and kneels down before him, recognizes that he's good, and asks him about eternal life. Well, Jesus himself said eternal life is to know the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And so He asks Him about eternal life. And if you look in verse 19, it says, Jesus responds to His question. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and a mother. He said to Him, Teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. We have a doer of the Word here. We have a doer of the Word who's in faith. We have a doer of the Word who is confidently expecting He's going to get some answers. Why else would He run up? Why? Otherwise, He'd come along like, He's probably not going to answer me anyhow, but oh well, whatever, I'm here so I'll ask you, right? But no, He comes running up because He is in faith. He's expecting. He's been a doer of the Word. He's been doing all these things since He's been a youth. And what does Jesus say in John chapter 14? 20-something, where he says, if you'll do what I tell you, I will reveal myself to you. I will love you, my Father will love you, and I will reveal myself to you. More light, right? And what does it say here in verse 21? It's then looking at him, Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. Well, he said, I'm going to love you if you'll do what I tell you. Jesus loved him and said to him, (coughs) that's not what he said. 
said to him, you lack one thing. Not two things, not three things, not a bunch of things. One thing. One thing this guy's lacking. And he gives him this direction. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and take up your cross, the cross, and follow me. Jesus is calling him into the ministry right here. He is calling him to be one of his disciples. One of the twelve. One of the thirteen. <laughs> he is calling him into the ministry and this guy has received light. What he believed God for, what he was in faith for, what he trusted he would get, the answer, he got. Jesus answered it to him. Jesus identified the one thing that was hindering him. And what does verse 22 say? But he was stunned at this demand. And he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Light came and he rejected light. He came glad and he left sad. He came in faith, confident, expecting to receive an answer and he left grieving. The only thing left now for this guy is more darkness. What's the absence? What's in the absence of light? It's darkness. Darkness is not a thing. It's simply the absence of light. And when he rejects light, it's just going to get darker for him. And this is why you see some people struggling with the same issue, with the same problems, year after year after year, never getting their deliverance, never getting their victory, because they've rejected light. And they're not doing what they know to do. Let me um, back up a little bit here to verse 21 again. Then looking at him, Jesus loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, take up the cross and follow me. Well, this is not, Jesus is not teaching everyone everywhere that they ought to give up all their money. This is not what he's saying. He's saying this to this guy because it's a hindrance to this guy. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus had a lot of money. Jesus goes to his house. They sit down and Zacchaeus, I don't know how it all happened, what was going on in the conversation, but Zacchaeus came under conviction and he got light and he acted upon that light and he jumps up and says, hey man, uh, for anyone that I have defrauded, I'm going to give back four times as much. And other, outside of that, I'm going to give half of all my money, not all of it, half of it, to the poor. And Jesus stood up and said, now, 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 Zacchaeus, you know you need to give all of it. No, no that's not what He said. He stood, Jesus stood up and said, this day, salvation has come to this house. So it wasn't an issue of you have to give all your money. In fact, if you just read the next nine verses, you'll see that there's a major promise of major prosperity for this guy or for anyone who deserts fields and houses and incomes and mothers and fathers and children and gives a whole list. And it says they're going to receive a hundred times more now at this time and eternal life in the life to come and with some persecutions. That's the promise. So this is not Jesus teaching that poverty. This is Jesus teaching this man what he needed to do to break into the ministry that he was called to. And he would have received a hundred times more back in this life, in this time. He would have been blessed beyond his wildest dreams. 
if he would have answered the call and received and acted upon the light that was given to him. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 13. More example of people that are struggling with the same issue, not getting the victory that they want. And let's look at why that is. I, I said it's because they've rejected light, but let's look at what it says here in Matthew 13 and let's start in verse 3. So then he told them many things in parables saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky ground where there wasn't much soil, and they sprang up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. Verse 6, chapter 13. But when the sun came up, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them. Still others fell on the good ground and produced a crop, some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Anyone who has ears should listen. We are supposed to be hearers of the Word and doers, right? So, as the Proverbs say, listen intently. It means to listen intelligently with the intention to obey it. So be careful how you hear. He that has ears should hear. Let's go on and read verse 10. Then the disciples came up and asked Him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And He answered them, Because the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know. This is Revelation. But it has not been given to them. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And he will have more than enough. What are we talking about? We're talking about Revelation. Whoever has, more will be given to him. And he will have more than enough, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. For this reason, actually let me say this first, faithfulness with what you have been given opens the door for you to receive more. Faithfulness. How do you be faithful with what you've been given? Well, I said earlier that we are to be rivers, not lakes holding the goodness of God in for ourselves. No, we're rivers. We're conduits of life. Let your light shine. Don't say put your light in a basket. No, let it shine for everyone to see. It's supposed to affect others with your good works. Well, what are those? Those aren't good intentions. Those are actually actions. Good deeds. Also miracles. It's the power of God working through you and affecting everyone around you. Verse 13, For this reason I speak to them in parables, because looking they do not see, and hearing they do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You will listen and listen, yet never understand. And you will look and look, yet never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they've shut their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn back. Just repent. All right? Turn back. Change course. Change direction. And I would cure them. Heal them. Not everyone who is confused and in the dark is in that situation because of a lack of light. There's not a lack of light in this situation. Jesus the light of the world. He was the first one. Right? He's standing there. They've got light. Yet they're in darkness and in confusion. So it's not an issue of 
not having light available to them. It's an issue of them standing there with their eyes squeezed shut. Like when I was down in that cave, if I'd have just kept my eyes shut, all the light in the world isn't doing me any good. Because I have my eyes shut. It's pitch black. With these guys here in verse, in verse 14, he's saying, Isaiah prophesied about this. He said, they're going to listen and listen, but never understand. You're going to look and look, yet never perceive. He said, these people's heart has grown callous. What makes that, the heart grow callous is when we reject light. And then there's a hardening that takes place on the inside. When we reject and are not doing what we know to do. We're not doing what we know to do. Then what happens? Well, you become dull. Your ears become harder of hearing. Your eyes are squeezed shut tight. Now you can't see. and You can't hear. You can't understand. So you won't repent. And you just continue right on down the road of self-deception. You know, I, I said this last week. I mentioned Hosea 4.6 where it says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And a lot of times we've stopped there, but if you just keep reading, it explains why they're destroyed, why they lack knowledge. It says because they have rejected knowledge, I will reject them. Because they have rejected light. That's what's going on here. It's not that they had an absence of light. No, they had the light. They just rejected it. And so then the Lord says He's going to reject them. It's not ignorance. It's self-deception. <clears throat> and then from that point on, there's only darkness and confusion and more frustration left. Let's look at verse 16. But your eyes are blessed because they do see, and your ears because they do hear. For I assure you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see, yet didn't see them, to hear the things you hear, yet didn't hear them. You then listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. The seed that just got dumped out onto the path. And it was, it was trampled on, is when we read that about that part. It was trampled on. Seed is on the path, and it is not being respected for what it is. It's just being walked on. And is it going to grow that way? No. Right? It's just on the path. And the evil one, you know, the, the enemy doesn't want you to get light. And if he can keep you from getting the light to begin with, that's what he's going to do. However, he's not always very successful at that because we still get light. Light comes through and we, get, we see it. And let's keep reading. Verse 20, And the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the Word. Oh, we have a hearer of the Word here. And immediately receives it with joy. Yay! I see it! Right? Joy comes. When light comes, your Word brings light. When light comes, joy comes. And man, they receive it with joy. They're excited. Yes, I see it. I see it. This is awesome. Man, I'm going to take double amount of notes today. This is so good. But what are you going to do this week? So he receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but is short-lived. When pressure or persecution comes because of the Word, immediately he stumbles. So pressure comes, persecution comes, and I don't know. Maybe that's not, maybe, 
I don't know. Maybe I was just excited because I was with a bunch of people that were saying hallelujah. You know, maybe I didn't really get the light on that. I don't know. Why is it not working for me then? Right? Persecution and pressure coming, people going, yeah, I don't know. You know, the Word tells us that we're supposed to gather together and encourage each other. And we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Unless the government comes and gives us pressure and persecution and then we can just shut churches down all across the nation and it's fine. No. Right? No. And in fact, we're talking about walking in light and receiving more light or rejecting light and it getting darker. And there are so many testimonies out there of that exactly happening in the churches. I mean, you remember how it was here. We stayed walking in the light that we had. And as we walked in that light, things kept getting brighter. And every weekend built on the last weekend, it was just like we went from faith to faith and glory to glory and things kept getting brighter and more joy and more expectation and more power. It was amazing. Because we were walking in the light that we had and it was costing us. We didn't just yield to it. But then there's those people that are, they didn't. And they said, man, think we... Things got really bad for us. We have so many marriage problems. I was talking with one pastor, and he was saying how that, um, man, he said, all these people are stuck at home, and now all they're doing is fighting with each other, and we have so many marriage problems in our church because everyone's stuck together. How, how are you dealing with that? So we haven't, that's not been a deal. No, that's, that's not been an issue. We're still coming together. They're still being fed. They're still being built up. Oh, Wow. Well, you must have a perfect church. As close as it can get. I mean, we're there, so it's not perfect. But And for those of you that are saying, yeah, but you don't know about the problems I've been having. Well, welcome to human life. We all face that. Okay? We all have selfishness that wants to come through our flesh. And you and I have to, every day, we lay ourselves down, we serve one another, we honor one another as though they're better. I'm talking about your spouse and you, or your, or your children, or whoever you're living with, right? And honoring others as better than yourself. Jesus never promised it would be problem-free. He just promised, I've got the victory for you. Right? All right, we were reading in verse 21. So he stumbles, now verse 22, now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the seductions of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now the one sown on good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, so there's light, while the others had received light as well, and who does bear fruit. Now we have the doer of the word. He's not quitting when persecution comes. He's not quitting because he's loving the seduction of wealth or other things. But he bears fruit. Some 100, that's great. Some 60, that's great. Some 30 times what was sown, that's great. This isn't the list of better to worse. Just all of them gave fruit abundantly. Bore fruit because they did the Word. Remember, see, there... If we look back up at verse 15, where these people are 14 and 15, these people are going to listen and listen and listen and never come to a knowledge of truth. Remember when Paul was talking to uh, Pastor Timothy, right? And he's telling him that he said, you know, you need to preach the Word. 
and be instant in season and out of season and proclaim and rebuke and do all these things because the time's coming when people aren't going to tolerate sound doctrine. Why? He says because they're going to have an itch in their hearing to hear more and they're going to turn away from the truth and turn to myths or fables. Well, what is that? They genuinely believe those fables to be true. That's called being self-deceived. And always wanting to hear more, but not doing what you know. Not doing what you know. In fact, um, it's also in chapter 3 where he says there's those people that um, they're ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. They're always more, more, more. Give me another sermon. Give me another. Let's go to another meeting. But they're never actually coming to the deliverance that truth brings. These are the people that have rejected light. What what do I mean? They're not doing it. You can't be a hearer only. You must be a doer. The only word, I said this in the beginning, that's going to work for you, going to work for me, is the word that I do. The word that you do. And the word that you do isn't going to work for me. It's the word I do. God doesn't have grandchildren. He just has children. Children and enemies. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Chapter 5, and let's look in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now, now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Or, or seeing, being able to see what it is. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness. We read over this so glibly and we just go, yeah. But, but seriously, how many times are we participating in the works of darkness? I mean, just even in the shows we watch. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead, rebuke them. Some translations say expose, but the word is rebuke or convict them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything convicted or rebuked by the light is made clear. For what makes everything clear is light. Therefore it is said, get up sleeper, rise up from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. We're talking about rejecting light and and what happens. Light brings joy. And if we walk in the light, we receive more of it. But if we reject it, it gets darker. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. For you Bible students, you already know where I'm going with this. Romans chapter 1 and verse 19. See, light brings joy and more light. But on the flip side of that, rejection of light, shutting your eyes, brings darkness and confusion and deception and you think you're right. Verse 19, since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. If God has shown it to them, that means they've seen it, right? God has shown it to them. Verse 20, from the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, that is, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what He has made. As a result, they are without excuse, for though they knew God, Do you see that? They knew God. They had light. Though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became nonsense. And their senseless 
minds, hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over to the cravings of their heart to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. Verse 25, key words right here. They exchanged. They had light and they exchanged light for their own truth, which is not truth. They exchanged the truth of God for, it calls it what it is, a lie. A lie. What is deception? Believing something to be true that is not true. Or what is being deceived. That's what it is. The truth of God for a lie. They exchanged it and worshipped something created instead of the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And this is like ultimate self-deception. So I asked last week, who wants more light? And just like now, a few of you agreed that you wanted more. The rest of you weren't so sure. And I told you then, and I'm going to say it again, Avoiding light doesn't make you less responsible for walking in the light, right? The Lord knows the opportunities you have or didn't have for the light that you have or don't have. And so then we're responsible to walk in them. So if you want more light, the way to get more light is to be faithful with the light that you have already. Take a step out into what you know. In other words, obey. Do what you know. Do what you know. I remember, you know, we talk about, man, I just wish the headlights would shine all the way home so that I could know for sure that the road goes home. Because maybe it doesn't. Maybe out beyond the headlights, 100 yards, is just a cliff. You know, so I just wish the headlights would shine all the way so I could see the whole way to where I'm going. Sounds silly with a car analogy, right? But yeah, that's so often what we do when the Lord says, do this. Yeah, but, okay, tell me more. Tell me more and then I'll do that. When we were uh, in the Mennonite church, the Lord had been working on me that we needed to pull our membership from the Mennonite church. And I was like, well, that doesn't make sense because I'm not moving anywhere. I'm not planning on moving anywhere. I'm a Mennonite. Um, yeah, there's some issues here that I don't like in that church, you know, and, and so forth. But that, that's, you know, I just why pull? You're not telling me to go somewhere else. You're just saying pull your membership. And so I struggled with that for a couple months. See, this is light, the Lord's giving light, but I'm not walking in it. And you're not going to get more light until you walk in the light that you have. Take a step into the light that you have. And one day I was reading in John chapter 14 and I came across that place where Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I commanded you. And man, I was just smote right here, man. Bam. Like, ah. Because I immediately thought of what I know He's asked me to do and I have not done it. Now, we weren't Spirit-filled yet, um, but we were learning some of these things. And so I read the next line and it says, and I will reveal myself to Him. Oh, I saw it. I saw it. I don't need to have light shine the whole way. I just need to obey what He's told me for the next step. And then once I take that step, He will reveal Himself and what the next one is. So we did that. We went and we, we withdrew our membership and uh, did it at a, we had a men's meeting, in fact, and, and I explained you know, where I was at, what the Lord was telling me. And surprisingly enough, they supported me. They said, well, do what the Lord's telling you to do. 
Maybe it was because I was starting to rock the boat on some issues and they were glad to, you know, yay, he's not, he's not a member here. We're free of a problem. But they were supportive. They were. And um, we did that and it was just a matter of a few months and we were spirit-filled and starting a church and our whole lives had just radically changed. At one step of obedience and then more light can come. And it wasn't just the same amount of light. It was radically more light. And then more. And as we stepped into that, then more light came, what we needed to do. And, and then we were obedient to, well, come into the landmark meetings, right? And, and so then more light was given. And the thing just grew and grew and grew. And as long as you and I are willing to take steps of obedience, light is going to continue to manifest. That's just being faithful with what you have been given. An example of this is... Um, Put up on the screen Hebrews 11, verse 8. Hebrews 11, 8 in the Holman. And an example, Abraham is a great example of this. It says here in verse 8 of chapter 11, it says, By faith, key ingredient, by faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. He didn't just know about it, he obeyed. He went out to a place... He was going to receive as an inheritance. Now check out this next line. He went out not knowing where he was going. He went out but didn't know where he was going. I mean, how crazy would you think that is? You go over to your neighbor. He's got the U-Haul backed up to the, tr- to the garage. He's got the whole thing loaded. Well, where are you going, Tom? I don't know. Lord just said we're supposed to leave. Okay, so which direction are you driving when you leave here? I don't know. Just out. That way. (laughs) That direction. You know, just following the Lord. Well, in um, he went out not knowing where he was going. It says in Romans chapter 4, it says this about, it's talking to the Gentiles and about, the father of faith, Abraham, that we have. And it makes this statement. It said, it was, it was speaking to, of the Gentiles. It said, also to those walking, the Gentiles, walking in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham while he was still uncircumcised. We're not talking about the steps of faith after all the covenants and after all those promises and after all that was given. It's before all of that. The steps of faith. The tracks. The literal, literal translation of this is the tracks. The footprints of faith. To those walking in the steps of faith. Are you stepping out in faith? Let's go um, to Genesis 12. You can put it up on the screen. Genesis 12, chapter 1. Here is where the Lord calls Abraham. This is where he steps out. Before the covenants, before all those things. In verse 1 of Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abraham, Go out. Everyone say, Go out. Go out from your land. There's three things he's supposed to leave. Your land, your relatives, your father's house. All the things that make us feel comfortable and nice and included and a part of something. Go out from my culture. Go out from my people. Go out from my properties. Go out to the land that I will show you. See, the Lord giving him light what to get out of, but not where to go. The place I will show you. I'll show you, but trust me, get out. Pull your membership, right? 
So then what happens next? You know, we have to, ex- we have to walk in. We're expected to walk in faith. We're expected to take steps of faith. And if you're not moving and walking in what you know, the Lord can't steer you. You can't steer a parked car. You can turn the steering wheel side to side and nothing happens. Vehicle still sitting, pointing in the same direction it had been. You have to start moving the vehicle. And then the steering wheel has an effect on the vehicle. So you need to move. Just step out into what the Lord has told you to do already. Step out in faith. Step out confidently trusting. And then more light comes. Verse 2 says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Yay, Lord, but where? (laughs) Just leave. I'll tell you later where. Man, I'm going to bless you. It's going to be awesome. That's nice, Lord. Where are we going? I mean, it looks so simple when we see it here in the Word with Abraham so long ago. But for you and I, I mean, make it come home. What's the light that I've been given and have I stepped into it? Or have I shrunk back from it? Am I walking it? Am I doing what I know? Am I practicing those things that I was at one time excited about? You know, when we came here to Pennsylvania then, a few years after the story I just told you, Worship team, you can come up. When we came to Pennsylvania um, prior to that, you know, the Lord had told me that He was going to send us in here. And so I asked the Lord what I should do to prepare for it. And He gave me some instructions that I needed to do in our church out there in what I should teach. Not telling them what's happening. Not explaining what's coming. Build on the foundation of faith. Teach on faith for six months. And He said that He would, if I was obedient to do what he told me to do, that he would show me what is to come. Well, I asked, I said, Lord, when? Because I think it is wise to ask the next question. It's absolutely the Lord's privilege to say, not yet. But you should still ask. When the Lord says, you know, I want you to quit your job, you shouldn't run out and quit it today. You should say, when, Lord? Because maybe it was going to be in two years from now on the 4th of May. So we don't want to get ahead. We don't want to get behind the Lord. So ask the next question. And I asked the Lord, I said, um, when, Lord? When are these things going to take place that we're going to move into Pennsylvania? And he said, if you're faithful to do what I'm telling you to do, it'll begin to happen in six months. Well, in six months to the week, things began to happen. The Lord gave Pastor Dale a word and said, like, said we were supposed to be in here. I didn't tell him. The Lord told him. So he calls me and he says, hey, are you supposed to be in here? And I'm like, well, I don't know that we're supposed to be there already, but are we supposed to come? Yes, the Lord said so. And he said, okay, well, let's start, let's start believing God for this to happen. It, I believe it's time. And so we began to prepare and we got Pastor Jay put in as a pastor and we packed everything up. We sold everything that we could sell and and put everything into a trailer and had no money to come. But we're just obeying God, right? We're just going to take the next step. We fully thought, hey, if we have to, we'll drive as far as one tank of gas will take us and either the Lord will provide another tank of gas or it won't run out. All that we know to do is obey what the Lord is telling us. 
And no matter what, that's what we're going to do. It doesn't matter the cost. It doesn't matter. We just know that He meets all our needs. He's going to supply for us. He's not going to let us die on halfway to Pennsylvania. He's going to help us. We're just going to take the step of light that we know to do, and that is go. The night before we left, everything is packed up, and someone comes and says, Hey, um, I feel like the Lord's telling me to give this to you, and I don't remember the amount, maybe $1,100 or something like that. It was enough to pay all the fuel and the eats and to get us here. You know, the last night before it's time to go. And the Lord, two days? Okay, two days before it's time to go. And the Lord provided for us. And, and the interesting thing is, is, you know, we went through such hard financial times. We're doing so much better financially than we were back then. The harvest, we, we've been getting harvest on all the seeds that we've continually sown. I mean, financially, we were just rejoicing about this last night together as a family about how far the Lord has brought us from, because we were looking at old videos. Oh, remember when? Man, we didn't even have money for an end table. We were using rubber-made tubs for end tables. And, and we were, remember then, look at what the Lord has done, right? All these blessings. But what did it say? That if you forsake those things, because we were, we were forsaking those things and coming, it said you're also going to get persecutions. Well, the person that gave that $1,100 to us that the Lord was telling them to bless us with now thinks I am a false prophet leading people to destruction, thinks I'm a horrible person. Persecutions. Got plenty of emails from him telling me how horrible I am. Just recently. Persecutions. But what does the word say? Bless those that persecute you. Right. See, there's more blessing in that. Just do what you know. Walk in forgiveness. Do what you know. Well, we set out, we, we backing up those years to come in here. What happened next? Well, now we had fuel to get here, but we had no place to stay once we got here. I had come in two weeks and, and spent two weeks looking for a place and didn't find anything. So now we're coming. I don't know. If we have to, we'll sleep in the car. But we're going. We're going to obey what the Lord has told us. And we didn't allow our circumstances to dictate what we thought was the will of God. I'm talking about stepping into the light that you have and stop allowing circumstances to tell you that's not really light. So we step into the light we have. We made it about as far as St. Louis. We were going through St. Louis on Interstate 70. And I got a call that said, hey, we have, we have this house in a cottage in a campground in Landisville across the street. At that time, we weren't meeting in this building, but it was across the street. He said, um, you can stay there. And we ended up staying there for several months while we got settled in. And, and the Lord just blessed us so much, found, got a house, we got a job, we got all these things. And the Lord took care of us. However, if we would have said no to the Lord, you have to shine more light further down the road before we'll go, Lord. Do you think I'd be standing here with you tonight? Not unless I would have at some point repented, right? And got back into the light that the Lord was, was shining. So I'm going to encourage you with Psalm 27.1. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So just obey the Lord. Step out in what He's been prompting you with. And allow Him to work out the miraculous details of it. And don't fear, but only believe. Right? Only believe. 
All right, you can stand with me. We're going to, in just a moment, take communion together. You can prepare the table. talk to you just a little bit about the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and me. He took our sin, gave us his righteousness, and you know, Jesus didn't know everything. And people say, well, yeah, but he was God. Yeah, he was God, but he didn't know everything. I mean, for example, he doesn't know when God's going to say, okay, enough is enough. Let's blow the horn, go back and get everyone. He said, no one knows, not even the son of man. So he doesn't know that. See, God knows, but he doesn't. And remember when he went to the fig tree to see if there was any figs? He didn't know. He was walking as a man. He had emptied himself, is what Philippians tells us. Emptied himself. And he goes to the fig tree to see, and there wasn't figs there. Now, how come he needed to go see if there was figs there if he already just knew everything? He didn't. So he walked by faith, is my point. He did what he saw. He walked in the light that he had. He just kept taking steps in the light. I do whatever the Father tells me. Whatever I see the Father do, I do. Whatever I hear him say, I say. And Jesus walked into a realm of miraculous, like, I mean, amazing, right? Well, now he comes up to, he's coming toward the end of his ministry into the time of crucifixion. And we think, oh, well, he just knew everything. He knew exactly how it was all going to go down. Did he? He didn't know why. He, he said, God, why have you forsaken me as he hung on the cross? He has a question. Going, what's going on? Why have you forsaken me? And then he ends with, well, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's now out of my hands. It's in yours. Because he's going to die and he's taking our sins and the penalty for our sins and going to hell. And he needs God to raise him from the dead. So he dies in faith. In faith that the Lord's not going to leave him there. It wouldn't be faith if he just knew that it was going to happen. It's by faith. By faith. Well, at the last supper, at the first supper, I should say, at the Lord's last earthly supper before the crucifixion, this is what he says in, in, in Luke 22 and verse 15. He said, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover. Now he knew that he was going to be crucified. He had that much light. He knew that it was going to be difficult. He knew that he was going to bear the sins of the world. He had that light. And he is obediently stepping out into this. And in verse 17, it says, He took the cup after giving thanks. He said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I tell you, from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to them and said, this is my body which is given for you. Another of the gospel says, which is broken for you. He recognizes what it means and he's thankful for it. He's thankful for it. He's just stepping out in the light that he has. And then he says this, He says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant established by my blood. See, he knew there was a new covenant now taking place. 
It is shed for you. His blood shed for you. And he gave thanks for this. Isn't this amazing? If you and I want to grow in light, then we have to do what we know and give thanks for what you have. Give thanks for what you have. Don't look at the hard part of it. Look at the divine part of it. Say, the Lord is my helper. He is my light and my salvation. Amen? All right. Let's uh, do this. Let's file. Let's start with uh, the back row, and we'll work our way to the front. And we can start from both sides. Come down the center aisle. You can uh, pick up from the table and go around the outside of the building back to your seats. And you can just take it and hold it and we'll take it together in a moment. Jesus gave thanks and He took the bread and He broke it. And He said, this is my body, it is broken for you. So as you take the bread, recognize that it is for your healing, because by His wounds we are healed, is what Scripture says. So don't just say it and it's something we do, actually believe that. And if you need healing in your body, as you take it, speak to your body. Tell it to submit to this finished work of Christ and to be healed. And then thank Him for it. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power in my body. You are good. I receive it. I'm restored. Every cell, every atom. I thank you, Lord, that your body was broken for me. I worship you. Thank you, Lord. I am the healed of the Lord. Let's say that. I am the healed of the Lord. And then he took the cup and he realized that this new covenant, covenant is, is what God is ours and what's ours is God's. That great exchange. He took our sins. He took our sicknesses. He took all of those things and gave us life and health. And this blood washed away all sin made us completely right in God's eyes. So let's take it and rejoice in that. <laughs> you okay? 
Thank you, Lord, for your blood. Thank you that you redeem us from sin. Now you washed us and made us new and gave us life, eternal life, access to you, Lord. We bless you. like you can pass your cups into the center aisle and they'll come by and pick them up. How many of you know that the Lord is your greatest encourager? How many of you know that he is your cheerleader? As you walk through this life, he is there cheering you on every single day. The Father's heart is to bless your, your coming and your going. That's just his heart for you. As I was worshiping, I heard in the spirit that some people have said here tonight, it's too late. I have missed my chance of obeying the Lord. And the Lord wants to say to you tonight, it's not too late. It is not too late. Everybody say that. It is not, not too late. Because God is outside of time. He's not in our limited sphere of time. He's outside of that. But there's things that have happened in your life that you're not happy about. And you're wondering why. Where is God? Why am I stuck? Why am I going around this mountain over and over again? It's because you need to go back there to that moment of time when he spoke something to you. And the light was shined, the light shined, because God the Father wanted to bless you. He wanted to bring you up and out of something. He wanted to affect your family's life for the good. And that moment back there was not heated. So you're stuck. And things are not happening in the way you would like them to be. The Lord, your great encourager, your great cheerleader tonight is saying, simply go back. Go back to that moment that I said that, that very thing to you. You know it was me. It may have come through someone else. But it was me and you knew it. But you didn't heed the light. It's not too late. Repent means to turn back or to turn around or to do something different. And the Lord will redeem the time. He will replace the years that the locust has eaten. He will do so much for your life, your family's life, if you but heed the light. And if it means going back a few months, a couple years, God is saying tonight, do it. Be a doer of the word and watch what I will do. I heard reputation. For every born-again believer, your reputation has been swallowed up in the personhood of Jesus Christ. You have no reputation. Any good thing in you is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So put it down. It doesn't mean a thing. We're living in the days of three things right now. Relationship, transparency, and humility. If you will follow in that and ask the Lord, examine your heart, I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, your Father wants to bless your life.
and he will do it. And you'll be up here with a testimony because you heeded the light. It's not too late. Isn't he awesome? As we were singing the first song, I just had this thought come floating up on the inside. I should have Karen close. I think she'd have something to say. And so, I want to just tell you, that was the Lord. Okay? That was the Lord. It's not too late. And the light that He gave you know, ask him if you go, well, man, I'm not quite sure. I don't remember what it was that he told me to do. I just know there was something I didn't do it. Hey, just ask him to show it to you again, and he will. He's so faithful. He's so loving. He's so kind. He, his mercies are new every morning. He absolutely wants you to be able to have the time redeemed. So I'm so grateful, Karen, that you obeyed the Lord, and you came and you shared that because that was the Lord for you, for me. We have a time of uh, fellowship downstairs. Everyone's invited. Love on each other as you go. Check in on each other. How are you doing? Answer truthfully. Gives prayer opportunities. Amen. We love you. everyone. Thank you so much for coming. The Church of the Word International here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I said that right. <laughs> I'd like to encourage you in the Word of God uh, for our worship tonight. I love the book of Psalms. There's everything in it is good. But in Psalms 33, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Glory to God! <laughs> Let's do that again. Rejoice in the Lord, oh you righteous. Yeah, there you go. For praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make melody to him with the instruments of ten strings. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works is done in truth. He loves righteousness, and he loves justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap, and he lays up the deep in the storehouse. Let the earth fear the Lord, reverence the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. That's our God. That's who we serve. That's who we worship, the Lord God. I will bless the Lord when? 
at all times. And this praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Let's stand up together, family, as church in this house today. And let's just worship the Lord. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit, in truth. You know, we're going to do it for all of eternity. This is our time of training and getting very comfortable with the Lord. Amen. stand on the solid rock it is a blessed assurance that bears witness to your spirit that we are sons of God Jesus said you must be born again born of the spirit born of water and when you accept Jesus you ask Jesus to come into your heart to live and abide in you to forgive you of all your sins to be your Lord and master than to live for him your whole life. That is that blessed assurance that you stand on the solid rock. Glory to God. Are you excited about that? It doesn't matter what happens in life, what the shakiness of anything around you. As long as you have this blessed hope, Christ in me, the hope of glory, you stand on that solid rock. Amen. Is that something to shout about tonight? Glory to God. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here tonight. Well, good evening again to you all. Good to be with you here tonight. We'd like to welcome anyone that's here for the first time. Anyone here for your very first time, could you raise your hand so we can give you a proper warm welcome. In the back, a few right here, a few. Well, we're glad you're with us. And I'm sure it's not by accident. The Lord has something for you to receive tonight. So thank you for coming. All right. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord because it is his. Amen. So if you need a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hand. If you're giving by credit card, do fill out all of the blanks. And I'm going to encourage you out of the book of Joshua tonight. How many know that God is interested in prospering you? So much so he gives us instruction. In fact, we have in Joshua here, Joshua chapter 1, he gives us a recipe for prosperity. In verse 8, it says this, says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, everybody say then. Then. then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Do you see the connection? He wants you speaking the word. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, and you think on it. And the purpose is so you're walking in it and doing it, because that's when you get results in your life. Amen? You know, no matter what you come up against, 
No matter the obstacle, no matter what the enemy throws at you, God has an answer. And he's got a way through that. And he's promised to never leave you, always be there, help you through it. Look at what he says in verse 5. He's saying this to Joshua, but you know, this was said again in Hebrews. The psalmist said this. It says in verse 5, it says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Now, wait a minute. How was he with Moses? Time and time again, Moses is out there in the wilderness, and they didn't have any provision. There was no faucet with running water, but he brought water from a rock. You know, they, had, uh, they didn't have, you know, all the suitcases and luggage and all that to carry how many changes of clothes. Their stuff didn't wear out. You know, did he not provide manna from heaven? So no matter how desolate, no matter how, how sharp the, the obstacle, the pressure that you're under financially, maybe you're facing a mountain of debt. Maybe, maybe the devourer has come with a new strategy to rob you. Something. New bill. You didn't see it coming. Here it is. God's got a way out for you. He said he'll never leave you, never forsake you, But the key is to act on the word. So you act on the word, God's going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. Like he says in Malachi, you bring in the full tithe and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you. So aren't you excited about that tonight? That you have someone who's promised never to leave you, never to forsake you, right there to help you. You might forsake him, he won't forsake you. So I'm glad about that. All right, well, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful tonight that we can completely rely on you, that you are such a good provider, and that as a good father, you love your kids, and you're for our success. So we just thank you, and we gladly return the tithe to you. And we call these people blessed. Lord, I ask you to increase them. Increase the seeds that are sown. May it multiply and be, bring a fruit for the, into their lives and into the kingdom of God. And I just thank you, Lord, if there's anyone here tonight that has an obstacle, a financial mountain, per se, in their life, Lord, that you bring the answer speedily. And I just thank you for your provision in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, and amen. amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets. And the people will return the tithe to the Lord. And we are uh, receiving the missions offering here in a moment. So that is also taking place tonight. So tonight's the last night to sign up. If you're graduating, we'd like to be able to congratulate all the graduates. Um, So if you're one of those, you can sign up in the back. And also, CityGate's coming up next Sunday. So if you want to be a part of that, you still can sign up in the back lobby. Well, the psalmist says in Psalm 119, he says, I rejoice at your word, like one who finds great spoil. Rejoices at the word, as if he found a gold mine, a priceless treasure. Is that you tonight? You ready to rejoice at the word and respond to it with a tender heart? Because he really, he has... he doesn't want to leave you change, unchanged tonight. He wants you to be successful. And the way we do that is by responding to the word. Amen? Right. All right. In a nutshell, I believe she's already preached my message. <laughs> so you're dismissed. Yeah, maybe we'll go into it in a little more detail. But 
Yeah, that's where we'll be going tonight. Hallelujah. So um, we're going to take the missions offering, so if you can prepare that or if you need an envelope, do we have any ushers in the house right now that you can um, distribute envelopes if they need them? If you need an envelope for your missions giving, just raise your hand and they'll bring one to you. I want to read a scripture to you and you say, well, why are we taking two offerings? Well, because once a month we come together and we take what we call as our missions offering, 100% of it goes to... Uh, missions, wherever you designate it, you can either write on it, you can just leave it blank and put it in the offering and it'll go into our general mission fund. Or if you designate it to go to a certain place, then 100% of it will go to that place. You don't necessarily have to clear that place with us um, as long as it is an organization that is about uh, the gospel. What I would encourage you to do, though, is if it's the first time that you're giving to that organization through our church then include in your giving like how to get it to them, all right, an address or, or something like that. And in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it starts out by saying this, it's now about the collection for the saints, you should do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches. Here's what he had told the Galatian churches to do and is now telling the Corinthian church. On the first day of the week, but if he'd have been writing to us, he would have said, on Saturday, the last day of the week, on the first day of the week, each of you is to set aside and save to the extent that he prospers so that no collections will need to be made when I come. So they were taking offerings for the work that was happening and to they were also taking it for the saints in these other places because they were having hardships there and but the point that I want to point out to you is there was planning that went into it planning said on the first day of the week they were to plan they were to it says save and set aside to the extent that they prospered so there is some figuring that goes on in it there's an examining that goes on in it and so that's what we do on the last uh, Last weekend of the month is our missions um, offering, and, and that's what we're doing. We're planning for it. We are looking to expand on what the Lord has done and will do through us. You know, as we sow, we ought to reap. So if you sow a lot, expect to reap a lot. If you sow little, expect to reap on the little. You know, you put in five seeds of corn in the ground, then expect at least five stalks, right? But what comes from those stalks is a lot more seed so that you can do something with it. Next time, have a bigger harvest, and the next time, have a bigger harvest. And we're called to, you know, the river of life flows through us. You know, he's not called the Dead Sea or the Lake of Life. It's the river of life. It's flowing. So the blessings that come into you and I's hands, they move also through us and into the work of the kingdom. Last week I told you about a decision that I had made to um, sow $1,300 into mission work in Iraq. And I told you how the Lord is faithful to honor the seed that you sow for Him. And, and well, guess what happened this week? We had... Um, a radiator that went out on our vehicle and $700, almost $800 
a bill that now came due. And if a person is not a faith person, you would immediately be tempted to go, oh, a lot of good, I should have kept the seed that I had sown to pay for this. But I have good news for you. If you'll work the Word, the Word will work. Okay? We worked the Word, and I'm going to tell you something else that happened this week. You know, the Lord will do unexpected things. Things that aren't even, are unusual. Let's put them that way. Alright? Things that you had no idea were even in the works. This week, um, we got a letter and a check from the IRS that said, um, we were doing an internal audit and what we billed you for 2018 was way too much. And we're sending $2,300 back to you. (laughs) What? When does the IRS do that? Come on. Yeah, it was with even $200 of interest. From a couple years ago. They audited themselves. They They did what? But see, this is exactly how the Lord works. When you sow, He will bring back a harvest to you. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, take a hold of the, the seed that you're going to sow and let's pray over it. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of abundance and that you are the God of more than enough. And you are the Lord, our provider. And so, Father, we just sow this seed into your kingdom, into your work. We tell this seed to multiply and to grow and to bring forth good things in the places that it goes. And Lord, we confidently expect that you will return a great harvest to us so that we are enabled to do even more next month. And I thank you for for it in Jesus' name and amen. amen. With the ushers can pass the baskets and the people will sow unto the Lord. A few more things I want to cover some. some I asked, um, I told Jen I'll make some announcements too. So um, the first one is, is we have, if you've noticed and if you're new here, you'll, you'll see and recognize, if you've been here for a while you already know it, we have a lot of helps ministries throughout the the Church of the Word, okay? And we have, in particular, um, we have some needs in some of our helps ministries for some more help. And we have enough people here to cover everything and to cover it well. So I want to just encourage you to, if you're not serving somewhere, um, to hook up, find a place to serve, a place that you can help. Uh, we are our safety team. They would really enjoy having more help if that is something that uh, you're inclined to, as well as the uh, children's ministry. They're usually looking for more help. And we have a policy here, and I just want to remind you of it. We have a policy that if you are serving in some capacity during the sermon that takes you outside of this room, okay, where you're not sitting in here and being fed the Word of God because you're out there serving, we ask that you only do that one time per month. And the reason we ask that is because we don't want you to get burnt out to where you're always out serving and you're not in here being fed. And so we have enough people that we can rotate that and we can do that. Once in a while, we'll run into a situation where maybe you see one of the children's classes in. That's not why the children are with us tonight. On the fifth Sunday, fifth Saturday, we just have the children stay in with us and everyone has a break from, from that. But normally, if you see the children in here, sometimes it's because 
Well, someone wasn't able to come in, and to keep someone from serving twice that month, we just kept the children in that weekend. So that goes for our, our safety team, for our children's team. You know, if you're a greeter or something where you come back in and you're in here for the service, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those things that take you out and keep you out during the service, okay? So, um, Debbie, we wave at everyone real high. If you see Debbie there, you can talk to her and she can point you to the right person to talk to and where to serve at. So this is Memorial Day weekend, a weekend that holds special significance, isn't it? You know, we have, uh, I want to just remind you quickly about what Memorial Day is about. We have Armed Forces Day, that's for those who are uh, in uniform, still currently serving. And we have Veterans Day for those who have served. And then we have Memorial Day. For those who never got to hang their uniform up, those that died in uniform, is what Memorial Day is for. And um, Memorial Day is not about barbecue and picnics and all those fun things. We do those things, of course, um, but that's not what it's about. So I just want to remind you that there has been a great price that has been paid for our nation, a price that was paid in blood and a price that none of those people that died you know, they, they didn't, like Jesus, willingly go say, okay, I'll die, I'll die, I'll take your place. It's not what they did. But they stood up and fought against evil, and in that process, they paid the ultimate price of their life. And so you and I have a responsibility to remember that sacrifice, remember what they did, but not allow that, the price they paid to just be squandered and, and go like sand between your fingers and no longer exist. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we, we need to be active. We need to be, first of all, our, our first place of attack is in the Spirit, right? We're going to pray and we're going to believe God for victory in this land and in this state. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to take action. We've been given a great nation. They paid a great price for this nation. And now, now it's up to you and I. What are you and I going to do? Are we just going to squander it or are we going to hold it as precious and valuable? So I just encourage you this week. Um, if you know someone personally that lost loved ones in, in, um, in the armed forces, then reach out to them and encourage them, thank them, because they're also paying a price. Right? You th- I, I remember standing in Normandy, uh, Normandy, France on D-Day. It was uh, 2019 and it was the D-Day anniversary, and I, and I went to the cemetery out there, and there's 9,300 Americans are, are buried there in that cemetery, and it's just a sea of, of, you know, tombstone markers. And I remember the overwhelming sense of the debt that we have that this doesn't go unanswered. The debt that we have to continue to walk in it, and... I remember thinking about all the families, 9,300 people, all of them had moms, dads, brothers, sisters, children, spouses that didn't get to live life with them anymore, that didn't get to see their children being born, didn't get to have children even, right? Tremendous sacrifice. So let's not just glibly pass over it and forget what the day is about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 